Hey man, I'm Derek Gordon, and it's that Midnight Hustle. So, for all of you, you probably heard already, I used to be part of the pro wrestling business. Not that I was a major superstar or anything, nothing, not even remotely close to the truth. But, I did spend over 20 years actively involved in some creative aspect or not in the professional wrestling business. Since I was a kid, I've always had this tremendous passion for professional wrestling, mainly because I'm a movie junkie, and to me, pro wrestling was a bit of taking the movies and telling a great story and building phenomenal characters and, and, and having that compelling engagement with the fans, and it, it just led you on this ride where you constantly just want to follow that storyline, and, and, and it pulled at your heartstrings, fucked with your emotions completely as a kid. You just couldn't wait for the next Saturday morning. I got involved because it was easier to get into the wrestling business than it was the movie business, although now things have pretty much changed, depending on how you look at it. But either way, right now, it's hard for me to become, or to, to remain, an avid wrestling fan. There's been a serious, serious just drought in professional wrestling where I watch that product, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Ugh, ugh, it's terrible. Like, like who do they have writing this? And I know Vince McMahon likes to hire um, sitcom writers or, or people who have worked in the, in the movie industry and stuff like that to tell wrestling, but those people don't get what wrestling is. Now, one of the biggest compliments that I've ever had while I was in the wrestling business is that I have what you hear a lot. They've got a mind for the business, but I also have a fantastic eye. And that's what people have told me is that I see things differently than what a regular wrestling fan would see. I see things differently than what a regular wrestler would see. And I'm afraid that maybe I'm, I'm, I'm the last of a dying breed. That people who think the way I do are very few and far between. And I'm concerned that maybe the reason why I don't like professional wrestling today. And, I, and I'm not taking anything away from the promotions. I'm not taking definitely definitely not taking anything away from the athletes because you guys really kick ass in that ring but there is an element missing and it's probably not even your fault it's the fault of the people who are giving you that direction the people who are telling you well this is what the script is for the show you need to follow it word for word and go in the ring and do these things because i'm sure that if they left it up to you the entertainer the wrestler the student of the game that you would properly put on a completely different performance um everybody is guilty of it wrestlers are guilty of it promotions promoters writers they're all guilty of what's become a professional wrestling now even though i really can't connect with professional wrestling today in 2021 you can't deny that it's not profitable you can't deny the success that wwe and aew have had but when you see the ratings declining, when you see people getting fired because creativity just isn't there, when you see people tuning out, when you basically see wrestling fans not giving a shit because they're not emotionally involved in the story, they don't believe it. I mean, how can you expect them to believe it if the person in the ring portraying the character doesn't believe it? You've got to believe it first. And I think that's lost in the business. Now, why am I doing this? This is what I'm calling, this is going to be something that's going to be ongoing here on the Midnight Hustle called Anatomy of a Match. And what I want to do is I want to share this, this gifted eyeball of mine here. I got two of them, as, as a matter of fact. God bless me with two, two, count them, two gifted eyeballs. And um, 
I'd like you to see it through my eyes for a difference. I'm not going to watch professional wrestling now because then I'd be too busy critiquing what they're doing wrong. And then those guys would look like, who the fuck are you to tell me that I'm doing this wrong? Fuck you, man. Just, okay, I get it. What I'm doing this for are the future generations. Anybody out there who, well, let's just say for one, my generation, I'm not a future generation, I'm a past generation from Generation X, not D-Generation X, Generation X. Um, And there's a lot of Xers out there who understand and will understand and want to take that trip down memory lane with me. But then you've got the future, the millennials, even the Gen Zers who watch today's product and they're like, oh, shit, that's so cool, man. That's awesome. One day I want to grow up and be a wrestler because I want to do flippity floppity shit around the ring, too. Cool. If that works for you. I don't necessarily know if you're going to look back 10, 15, 20 years from now at a particular storyline of like, oh, my God, that shit right there. I remember the day that it happened. I remember how it impacted me. I remember I went to school or work the next day and I just talked about it with my friends. I was in anticipation for that pay-per-view because they just don't do that anymore. It's a lost art. And um, well, look, long story short, the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to share the eye with you and I want to go back and look at the things that inspired me to get into the wrestling business, the way I studied the business so that if and when this new generation of the future wants to become professional wrestlers, you want to get into the business as maybe a manager, a wrestler, even a creative writer, producer, backstage segment writer, whatever, man, whatever you want to get into. Maybe you want to start your own independent wrestling promotion. Um, I, I want to share with you the way I see certain things because there's a brilliance to the sport the way it was in the 70s and the 80s, a little bit in the 90s. I mean, it really did get cartoonish in the 90s. Um, and then, then you had the Attitude Era where just basically nothing made sense because you were wa- literally watching a reality show soap opera wondering who's going to jump from WCW to WWE or vice versa. Who's going to steal a contract? How is Bischoff going to ruin Vince's Raw by giving away the results? That kind of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, it was fun at the time, but I don't think it lasted the test of time. What I want to do is I want to go into my time machine back to when I was a kid, to what inspired me in professional wrestling, and show you the beauty in the art of wrestling. I want to take specific matches and break them down so that when you're watching them, you're like, fuck, that makes sense. Wow, now I understand why they do that. Hey, you know what? If I want to get into the business, let me do it that way. They Look, if I get into the business, not me, you, when you get into the business, and they're going to teach you all the shit that you need to know in order to make money. They're going to teach you, you know, how to do your, your ring entrance, your poses, your this, your catchphrases, how to sell t-shirts, whatever. They'll teach you all that shit at the performance center. But if you go in with a mentality like I'm about to give you right now, with the knowledge that I'm about to drop on you right now, this could be the difference between becoming a weekend warrior and a main eventer at WrestleMania. Yeah, you goddamn right. I said it because I know I'm that good when it comes to breaking this down, to understanding, to reading between the lines. And um, now, my dear children, I share this with you. So this is, like I said, it's going to be a segment here on the Midnight Hustle called Anatomy of a Match. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull out a personal favorite of mine. Um, 
I when I log on to the WWE Network, and by the way, that's how we're going to be watching these videos um, here on, and on these segments on Midnight Hustle. So um, thank you, courtesy. Shout out to the uh, WWE Network. Not necessarily for allowing me to do it, but because you have the the um, endless archive of footage. So um, let, let me just give you a, a quick little story here before we jump into it, because because it leads into it. Um, I've always been a fan of house shows or what they call live events now. It's different now than it was back then. Now it's like, oh, hey, the circus is coming to town. The show WWE will be in your area and see the stars that you see on TV. Back in the 80s, it was different, okay? Back in the 80s, the house shows spun off. They were little spinoffs of what you saw on TV. You got to see dream matches that would never necessarily happen. It's kind of like having a Saturday night's main event. So they would tell their little story, so they would leave you with like a hook there. Granted, yes, it is playing off of what's happening on TV, but we're expanding it and spinning off a little bit at the house shows because I need you to buy a ticket, there was, there was a way, there was an art, a philosophy, psychologically. They're messing with you, man. That's how they get you hooked. That's how, they, that's how you become a fan. That's how you become a passionate fan. Not just a casual fan, like I'm flipping and got nothing better to do. Let me watch a little wrestling. No, I mean a passionate fan where you put full investment into what you're watching, into the product. So, I'm a big fan of the house shows because I feel like they used to work a little harder there. On TV, you saw certain things, and, you know, they're setting up this story, but at the house shows is where they perfected their craft. It was more competitive. I loved the little stories that they were telling so that they would get you to come back and buy a ticket for the following month. And um, so I, I guess when I got the WWE Network, that's one of the first things I wanted to do. I wanted to go relive my childhood by watching old-school house shows. Now, again, I grew up in New York, so Madison Square Garden was my home away from home. But I got to be very honest with you. As much as I loved the shows at Madison Square Garden, as much as it was the mecca, it was the spot to watch professional wrestling. I remember when I used to get Coliseum videos, I'd get a little jealous because, one, there was another competing arena that sometimes had better matches in the garden. And two... When you notice the quality of work at that particular arena, it's like, holy shit. Like, this is, you would almost think wrestling was real. Like, they're like they, they they're putting more effort here than they did at the Garden. And that place was the Boston Garden. Hard for me to say, I'm over here wearing a New York Yankees hat, and I'm over here giving props to Boston. You know shit's got to be good if I'm doing that. But the Boston Garden had some magic to it. I don't know if it was the arena floor where it was all yellow, looked like the yellow brick road from from the Wiz, or, um, man, I, look, Boston Garden had some kind of magic. Something about it, the raw grittiness of Madison Square Garden and Boston Garden uh, just, just gives me chills. I even love places like the Maple Leaf Arena out in Canada because they had that little platform stage I used to walk on. I was like, oh, it kind of reminded me, like, oh, shit, they got, like, the WCW set up over here. I was, I was flipping around on the WWE Network, and I came across, and I was like, oh, man, they, they got some house shows here. Let me check this out. So the one that I'm going to be talking about today is a great matchup, classic. I don't know, maybe I'm calling it a classic, but it's a great matchup between Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Jake the Snake Roberts. This happened back on August 6th, 1986, at the Boston Garden. Now, let me just give you a little history. I'm sure some fans out there might know this already, but... Um, the reason why I like this match so much is because it's coming off the heels 
of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's return to the WWE, or WWF at that time. Not that he left the WWF, but Jake the Snake Roberts was a newcomer to the WWF. And they were like, yo, this, this dude is for real. And he's got that DDT and it's just devastating. And every Saturday morning, you'd watch Jake the Snake go in there with the enhancement talents. And yo, he was a villain. He was the best villain there was. And when he would speak, he would say this demonic shit. And once he got into the ring, brah, hit you with the DDT, it was over. Over. So what's the best way to get over this brand new heel? In the WWE, how do you show the world that he's this massive threat? You've seen a Saturday morning, but you know that those guys have no chance at beating Jake the Snake Roberts. So, let's put him in there with one of our top baby faces. No titles. Ricky didn't have a belt at that time. But let's put him in there with a guy who I would say, I mean, you always hear the greatest seller, the greatest baby face seller in the game was Ricky Morton. Man, I, I'll take the Pepsi challenge with that, and I'll say, in my opinion, the greatest seller was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He was loved by fans. The facials he would make in the ring while selling, the facials he would make in the ring during his comebacks were incredible. Now, let me set the stage for you. Saturday night's main event happens. You have this beloved Ricky the Dragon Steamboat coming to the ring to take on this newcomer heel who's who's got this vicious, just... Ah, he just wants to destroy everybody. He wants to knock them out cold and laugh in their in their face. And he's just pure evil. And before the match even starts, Ricky is getting on the ring apron and he's waving to the fans and saying, Hey man, we're gonna have a good contest here tonight. I'm gonna be the first test that this bad guy gets here in the WWF. I'm gonna be that welcoming party and I'm gonna give him the biggest challenge he's had yet. But before he can even step through the ropes, here comes Jake the Snake Roberts with a clothesline on the ring apron. Slithers out of the ring like the snake that he is. And then DDTs Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on the hard concrete floor. Now I know you guys right now, you younger millennials and Gen Zers are like, yeah, big deal. Shit happens all the time now. Yeah, that's the problem is that it happens all the time now. There were no mats and pads around the floor here. That was just hard concrete. And if you watch any documentary or shoot interview with Ricky Steamboat or Jake the Snake Roberts, they will tell you things got fucked up that night. Ricky took the head straight, took the concrete straight to the head. It was no bullshit. He didn't know how to brace for it. He didn't take it right and knocked him the fuck out. So, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, legitimate injury, not career threat. I mean, could have been. I don't know how bad it was. Um, but he's out of action for some time. And you sell it. You don't bring him back a week or two later. I mean, they kept him on the shelf for weeks, if not months. And they built it up like, oh, my God, this guy, Jake the Snake Roberts, who the hell is he? Why would he do that? I mean, you could have killed the guy by DDTing him on the hard concrete. Why the hell would you do that? This guy's got no regard for human life. Who the fuck is he? And then you feel for Ricky. My God, is this guy ever going to be the same? Is he going to be able to come back? And if he does, I guarantee you, he's going to want to kill Jake the Snake Roberts. Sounds pretty easy, right? It's a great story. And the way it played out, like, holy shit. You keep going back to that videotape, taking that DDT on the concrete. You start to question, will Ricky ever come back? Guess what? He finally does. And yeah, they had a couple of matches on television. They had another match on Saturday night's main event where Ricky was like, oh, you've got a snake? Well, I've got an alligator. Or dragon. Your choice. Dealer's choice. Um, they, they had, I, I want to say their blow-off match. 
in Toronto during the big event. And um, yeah, you know, cool stuff here. But, but, we wanted Ricky back so bad that the only place that you can see this, you can say, oh my God, this is fresh. Ricky Steamboat is coming back to the WWF. He's hunting Jake the Snake Roberts. And he's going to hunt him all around the world at all of these house shows. Let me get my ticket. Because I want to be there the night that Ricky puts hands on the man who almost ended his career. Smart, right? Of course it is. They don't do that now. So, this match again. I'm looking over here because I have the date of the match. So, it's the Boston Garden, August 9th. I might have said six before. It was August 9th, 1986. Okay, this is one of the shots. Now, I went... To the match at Madison Square Garden. It was it was pretty cool because at the end of the match, Ricky goes banana flavored ape shit and just start pra 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 going to work on Jake's head. And then the locker room clears out. Good guys and bad guys. They had to tear them apart. I think Ricky lost by disqualification. Maybe we'll even do that one in the future. But but there's something about this match that we're about to watch right now that's so strong and so smart. And this is something that you future wrestlers out there can learn from. Take from this. This is genius work, and it was done on a house show. So unless you were an avid watcher of Coliseum Video, unless you lived in the state of Boston, unless you're digging it up, I mean, how many people actually saw this? But the genius that was put into this match, and I guarantee you, guarantee you, that this wasn't one of those matches where they spent an hour in the back going over every single spot and reversal. and that. No, no, man, this is, this is two professionals in there. Working each other, working the crowd, and working the way professional wrestling should be. The smarts of the business. It's not about getting your shit in. It's not about doing your signature moves. We've already established how devastating the DDT is. We've already established that by how long Jake the Snake put Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on the shelf. So Ricky's going to this match. Yes, he wants revenge. Yes, he wants vengeance. But... He has to avoid that DDT again at all costs. But hey, just because he's a bad guy doesn't mean that Jake the Snake is stupid. Jake the Snake knows that this man is angry. He's coming with a vengeance. He wants that bitter, cold revenge. So what does he do? He's got to study, man. Oh, man, what am I in for? When this guy comes back, he's going to be a little pissed off. What, 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 what do I have to do? Let me go watch some Film. Let me go watch tape. Let me go study this guy. Not because it's going to be a competitive match, but because I need to know what I'm in for. Yeah, I've got the DDT up my sleeve, and the minute he makes a mistake, I'm going to put him right out again with it. But what arsenals does he have? And this match shows the mentality of both wrestlers knowing from history what they're dealing with, what they're going against, and all of the effort and the training and the homework and the studying that they've done for this house show. I want you guys to see this with me now. And I'm going to do a little commentary. And we will discuss this match. Hey, if you're listening to Podbean, um, pull this up on the WWE Network. Again, it is under WWE Old School. They're originals. They're in-ring wrestling. Um, it is the Boston Garden, August 9th, 1986. I'll give you a second. Pull it up. All right, man, you ready? Let's go to the ring. Has made his mark 
in the World Wrestling Federation. So he's Ricky is back. Just, just look, look at his face. And the damage he knows. He's like, all right, listen, this Ricky is professional Steve wrestling. Granted, I've got a grudge. I'm going in there. Shit's about to go down, all right? Calm, cool, and collected. I remember what you did to me. But Jake, it's your ass tonight. Jake's looking around. He knows he's in for some shit. He knows this guy's pissed, but he's like, man, first off, I weakened him up. I've got the snake in the corner. I can play mind games with this guy. Now, keep in mind, this isn't just about vengeance. It's about winning the match. It's about getting the three count. And usually, that's the best way to beat your opponent. Mentally, by beating him in the ring in front of millions of fans. Not like what they do today. Now, you can see how these guys are locking up. It's almost like a seesaw here. It's almost like a little bit for you, a little bit for me. Look at that genius. Look at that genius right there. Jake the Snake Roberts is proving to Ricky Steamboat, hey, I know your arsenal. You see what he's saying? I've watched tape. I know that you're all about the karate chops. I'm going to get you in the corner and your way out is to chop your way out. But I blocked with my forearms. God damn, that shit hurt a little bit. Woo, forearms are stiff. But you know what? I was smart enough. Any other guy would have taken those chops to the face. Any guy would have taken them to the chest. But because I did my homework, hey, Ricky, not only just a bad man, but I'm going to outsmart you. Great shoulder block there. And great selling on Ricky Steamboat. Very low abdomen area. Very low. But then again, the snake has never been noticed. Saw the chop. Saw the chop. He knows it's coming. Pow. Pow. He's taking them. These are the things he was trying to avoid. But this is Ricky's comeback. Look, 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 look. There he is again with the forearms. Come on, Ricky. I know that shit hurts. My, my, my chest is stinging him right now. I got a couple of blisters. Ow. Damn it. Yeah, see? Rubbing the chest. Sell it to the crowd. Let them know. Ah, damn. All right. He slipped two in, but I forgot. Okay. I'm back. I'm back. Let's go with the test of strength. We locked up before. I don't want to get too close to you. I'm going to hold this rope in the back here for a little bit of leverage. Who sees that? The fans in the back. The fans behind Jake. They're seeing that he's cheating and using that rope. The referee's telling him, hey, man, don't touch that rope. Rope is there to keep it. Keep the action in the ring. Jake has got to be the smart, one of the smartest heels ever in the, in the history of professional wrestling. What he's doing here is not only messing with his opponent, but it's messing with the fans. So as a heel, it's always good to work a body part. It makes no sense beating the shit out of somebody, slamming them on the floor, throwing them from high places, because you're destroying the whole body. That's not, it's not logical for that person to come up after being... Tossed off of something 15 feet high and landing on a hard concrete floor through some tables. Makes no sense. You work a part of the body. But look how Jake taunts him. Look how Jake talks to him. That hurt, big boy? All right, all right. You're a little smart. You got some strength. You got the muscles that I don't have. Let's be smart about this. This is grappling. Here they come. Here they come. Look, look, look. Blocking the chops again. No, no, no. It's not happening today, Ricky. I've watched your tape. I know you're the karate guy. I'm not falling for that. Maybe other guys have done it. I watched the tape. I studied you. I knew you were going to be pissed off. And I know every move you got coming before you even think about doing it. That's what makes Jake so methodical. That's what makes him so dangerous in this match. Ricky, on the other hand, Ricky wants to just get in there, just lay it all in. Again, the dragon breathing fire, letting out that vengeance. And he's got to be frustrated now. He's got to be frustrated knowing that Jake has a counter 
to some of his signature moves, even though it's just a chop. But that's how Ricky hits. Jake over here taking the shortcut, hitting the midsection, saying, hey, let's do the test of strength. He knows he's not going to win it. There we go, there we go, blocking the chops again. Arms in the air. I told you, Ricky, I watched tape. I watched tape, Ricky. I'm not stupid. I watch you. I knew that you were coming after me. I knew you tried to hit me with those fucking chops. I knew you were going to try to hit me in the throat, in the chest. That's it. Listen, I don't know karate, but I know how to block a chop. You want to hit me? Come hit me in the chin. Come on. Be a man. Throw a punch. Let's see what you got, Ricky. I know you're hurting already because I was working that arm. I know you're hurting in the midsection because I gave you a good shoulder there. Chopped again. There he is, working the arm that he injured before, knowing that the midsection is damaged. Putting the pressure on there. Let's make that arm useless. Why do we want to make that arm useless? Not because I'm just picking a part of your body, because I know that that's one of the arms that you throw those fucking chops with. So if I take away the arm, I take away the chops. I take away the arsenal. I already know how to counter them with the block. I'm using my forearms to do so. Look at that genius. We know Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is a master of the arm drag. But the way Jake has got himself locked in, Ricky can't shake him off. So here, Jake the Snake Roberts as the heel, as the evil villain, has already countered two of Ricky's signature moves. The chops and the arm drag. Look at that. He knew it was coming. We know during that exchange, bouncing off the ropes, back and forth, drop down and tackle, whatever the fuck they're doing in the ring. But he knows that after some point, Ricky's going to try to take him down with those chops. Jake was smart enough, held onto the rope, powders out of the ring. Now a lot of you out there might be going, oh my god, this is fucking slow. When does the action come in? Dude, the action is in knowing. The action is in the psychological... This is a psychological thriller. Think of it as a movie. It doesn't have to have carnage and, and, and action and battles the whole time. It's the slow, methodical, slow burn. Knowing that danger is in the air, but you never know when it's going to strike. Jake is so smart. Look how he taunts him. Look at the frustration in Ricky's eyes. He's taken away the chops. He's countered the arm drags. I'm a little sore. What do I have to do to get my vengeance against this man? Jake showing that he can match skill pound for pound with the dragon. Wow, there's a chop. Didn't see that one coming. Left himself open there. Now we see why, now we're starting to see a little taste of why those chops are so lethal. Because it's part of Ricky's arsenal. And when you let your guard down, when you're in the heat of the moment, when you're not thinking because you're like, hey, let's get this shit over with now, let's, let's end it quick, and you let your guard down, one mistake can lead to you losing the match. But now we're showing the fans that when those chops aren't being blocked, how dangerous and how lethal they are. Look at, wait, he's selling to the crowd, he's outside, god damn, my chest hurts. Shit, I'm welting up right now. Son of a bitch, a karate. Should have taken that shit myself. Damn. All right. Now I know why I'm blocking him. Before, I saw him do it on other guys. Now I felt the wrath. 
Sell it to the crowd. Touch your chest. God damn it, stings. God damn it, burns. I can't let him do that to me again. The fans know. The fans want more chops because they see that it's effective against this heel. Jake's got to be smart about it. He's looking for a way to, quote unquote, slither into the match. Ricky has a little momentum here. He's got the fans riled up. Oh! <laughs> here we go again. Hey, brother, we're going to do that that spot one more time. But this time I know the chop is coming, but Ricky outsmarts him. You show that just because Ricky's a good guy doesn't mean that he can't have a couple of tricks up his sleeve. All right, man, you want to go out there? You want to uh, block my chops? And, and hey, hey, you know what? You got to see these vicious heels powder out of the ring. You got to have a chicken shit heel. He's got to be scared. He's got to be. He's got to get away. Look at how Ricky goes in to break the count because the count means something here. The 10 count means something. Look how smart Jake is, knowing he's got to get in the ring, knowing he wants to escape those chops. Referee, help me. Referee, count him out. Referee, tell him to stop so I can get back into the ring. Now, this is genius here. I want you to, to, to watch this closely. We know how lethal those chops are. Jake knows where he's at. Bow. Boom, right there. The brilliance of this match is a small spot like that. Jake rolls out to the outside of the ring because he needs a breather from the chops. Ricky goes out and follows him. Ricky goes on the assault, the attack. Jake has to always be smart enough to know where he's at because if you don't know where you're at, you're going to lose your footing and then you're reluctant. You're weak. He goes, puts his back up against the post, knows that a chop is coming in, slips out the way. Ricky the Dragon Steemo goes for a chop against the ring post, the hard steel. So what's Jake gonna do now? Let's go work that hand. Those fingers may be broken. The whole hand, the bones in the hand might be shattered. Look at this, look at this, the genius here. Using whatever bar that is that the wrestlers use to climb into the ring. Bending his arm there, doing more damage. You're making the fans think, oh my God, his hands broke. The next time we see Ricky Steemo, he might be in a cast. He might be, because of this match, he may be out another couple of months. Ricky pleading. Before, he was looking out for the DDT. Now he's got to protect himself. Now he's a wounded animal. Who's the prey in this match? You have no idea. That short segment of Jake the Snake blocking the chops and then taking the chops away. Jake the Snake knowing exactly where he is in the ring, working that hand. He's not working the arm anymore, he's working the hand because Ricky took that violent chop straight to a ring post, potentially shattering every bone in his hand. And Jake is working it, slamming it against the guardrails, jamming it up against the ring post and building and, and pulling back on it. Look how Ricky's still selling the hand, not putting any pressure on it whatsoever. Look at that, look at that. He fed him the hand. He was going for the back uh, chin lock, left the hand open because he says, hey, I can't use this. I can barely close. I feel the swelling happening right now. Jake sees it there in the open. Let me grab that hand, ring it up and get Ricky from behind me. Let me take control of this match again. This is the brilliance of professional wrestling. This is when I was a 12-year-old kid sitting in the stands watching 
watching these little things happen, I believed. Now he'll spend a good portion of his match working that hand. In the bad guy's mind, this is how what I'll do to keep him out of commission. This is what I'll do to clear his arsenal. Look at that, it's even a pin. Ricky hurting, he's already got control of one arm. In dire pain, and just to get a breather of air to lay on his back, he can't lay there more than three seconds. He can't, he can't even lay there the three seconds, because the three seconds will be a three count. Grinding his boot right into the injured hand. Brilliance. Let's go for the eye. Take away his sight. So that way he'll never know what part of the ring he's in. He'll never know where Sanctuary is in that ring. Let's get back to that hand. Look at how he's using the ring ropes. It's not just a squeeze of the hand. Yeah, before he was stomping the hand and kneeing the hand. But look at how he bends on it. Maybe he didn't just break the hand. Maybe he broke the wrist. Maybe it's a wrist bone that's destroyed. Take away the chops. Take away the arsenal. That was the biggest threat that Ricky had coming into the ring. Aside from his anger and his vengeance. But look at how Jake uses the ropes, uses the ring to work that goddamn hand. Now let's taunt him. Come on, Ricky, show me some chops. Yeah, it's a little weaker now. Ricky still has some fire in him. Jake is frustrated. Not frustrated in the sense that the hell is wrong with this guy. Just frustrated in the sense that this guy's got the nerve to come back with some sort of power. He thinks he's going to come in. No, dude, you're my punching bag right now. You're just a piece of meat in a headband. Taunt the crowd because every person in that arena is there to see Ricky destroy you. And he's like, fuck all you people. I'm destroying your hero tonight. I'm going to work on him. Yeah, listen, when Saturday Night's main event came around, sure, I DDT'd him on the floor. But had there been a match... This is what you would have seen. I own your hero. He's my little bitch right now. I control him. Referee's back is turned, taking the wrist tape off, laughing at the kids in the front row. Hey, kid, you know what I'm going to do to your friend? You know what I'm going to do to your favorite wrestler? I'm going to choke the shit out of him. Referee, fuck out of here. I got this. Referee sees it because Jay kept it behind his back. You see, this is what we need. We need more enforcement for the for the officials. Brilliant move. Brilliant move. Gives Ricky a chance to breathe a little bit. Stunned him with the top rope. Based on Jake's own mistake, his carelessness, his sloppiness in hiding the tape. How do you think that kid in the front row feels now? Oh my God, he took the wrist, the tape wrist off. He's going to choke Ricky. What happens? The referee comes, takes the tape away, breaks the momentum. And that kid who he taunt is laughing in his fucking face right now. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamo taking out that vengeance. Knowing that he's in control once again. Yes, he's a little bit injured. But knowing that he's in control. Knowing that Jake got too cocky. And we'll see a bit of a comeback. But going back to an original point, professional wrestling needs to make these referees a stronger authority figure. Letting these wrestlers go out and wrestle for half of the match outside of the ring with no consequence whatsoever, using chairs and tables and announcer tables, whatever the case is, not adhering to a 10 count. That referee has to have as much importance to that match as anybody else. You have to fear that referee. 
That referee can disqualify you. That can cost you your earnings. That can cost you your money. That'll cost you your job. It'll cost you suspension. They have to fear the authority figure in the ring. He's not just there to make the count. He's there to keep the oh high cross body because that is not the hand that we broke earlier. Although Ricky's doing a hell of a job <laughs> landing on that hand. All right, so the heel has taken the referee out. Now he can go back to doing some heel shit. Now he can go take the other tape off. Now he can do things to Ricky Steamboat that would normally cause him to be disqualified, but the infamous ref bump will let him get away with it. This here is where you're starting to get the emotion of the fans. Who's going to get up first? We know, Ricky, we followed you on this journey. We know that you're injured. We know that he's worked the hand. But apparently Jake is a little more fresher. Jake doesn't have any injuries right now. We're going to put an end to this right now. Let's start setting him up. Short arm clothesline. Let's set him up for the end. Where's the referee? Where's the ref? Jake, you just fucked yourself. You knocked him out. Now you expect him to come over here and, and count for you? Good chance you could have had the three count with that short arm clothesline. But let's put him to sleep. Oh, I thought this was the DDT. But let's weaken the dragon up. Both men were down, and you won. Look at this. Jake could have won the match already. I'm not saying this as a heel commentator. I'm saying this because it's showing how his recklessness is starting to backfire on him. God damn it. I just hit him in the gut with a knee. I gave him the short arm clothesline. He's weak. He can barely kick out. Jesus Christ. Now I knocked this fucking guy out. He's in worse shape than Ricky is. Come on, man. Get up. I need you up. Wake up. I've got him in a compromising position. I need to put him up. And what happens? He gets him. He gets him. Keep in mind, Jake the Snake never went for a DDT in this match. Jake the Snake never nailed him with that move that put him on the shelf. Jake the Snake knocking the referee out is what cost him the match, not by disqualification, but because when he had Ricky in the compromising position, the referee wasn't available to make the count. Ricky took advantage of it. Jake had to get him up. Hey, dude, come on, wake up, wake up. I need the three count. Get over here and do your fucking job. And while he had his back turned, Ricky was able to roll him up for the three count, get the win. But this is how you keep the heat. This is why it's okay to get pinned in the middle of the ring if you're a great heel. Because losing doesn't make you weak. Losing doesn't kill your stock as long as you can keep your heat. So yes, the fans losing their mind. Holy shit, Ricky won the match. He's getting his arm raised. But Ricky is an injured bird right now. Jake the Snake Roberts is the one standing tall even though he's a loser. And because Ricky can't do anything, BAM! The DDT. Here's a reminder of how we got here. Here's a reminder of what happened on Saturday night's main event. Here's a reminder of what he avoided this entire match. And Jake showing the world that even though he lost the match, he is still the more dominant. That Jake the Snake will walk out of here, head held high, even in loss, but in better shape. Let's clear out the <laughs> let's clear out the locker room. Somebody must have told Ted RC that it was cocaine somewhere. He came running out with a little bit, a little bump. Let's show everybody around the ringside area this snake that nobody wants to touch. 
that nobody would would, would want to get DDT'd and have a snakehead rubbed across their lips and mouth. And this is how Jake the Snake Roberts keeps his heat. He walks out just as strong as he walked in. And even though Ricky won the match, he is flat on his back looking like the loser. Even though he's getting the winner's purse that night. But look at this. Going for the pin. The frustration. Where the hell are you? Come here, stupid. Come here and fucking count to three. Remember, this is you. Give him a little knee to the face. Make sure he stays planted in that one position. Jake, remember, this is your fault. You're the one who hit the ref bump. Get the hell up. Do your job. You only got knocked down. Jesus Christ. It's not like I DDT'd you. You just got hit with Ricky. It was a little collision. Are you good? Are you? Can you count to three? Can you count to three? Are you good? Because I'm about to go pin this motherfucker. And here we go. The roll-up. It backfires on him. He shook. His arms are flat down. His shoulders are on the mat. One, two, three. That's the call you wanted, right? So yeah, Jake the Snake might have lost the match. But I'm telling you that night, Ricky's the one who walked out the loser. So what did you think? You see what I'm talking about? It's the little things that mean so much to a match. It's the smarts. Again, if you believe, then I believe. If the guys that are in the ring doing what they do, Showing me that you're not just there for the payday. You're not just there to get your shit in. You went in there as an athlete. The same way Tom Brady watches video of all the running backs and all the wide receivers. And he's got to create little plays so that he, that he can be the legend that he is. The same way that a baseball player would watch how somebody pitches. So they can figure out what their pitch count is, what their what, what, their, what their best pitches are, so you know how to hit, so they know how to prepare. How a boxer, another full contact sport, very similar to wrestling. How they watch videos, and they watch the weaknesses, they watch the strengths, they watch how they've competed against other competitors, what made them successful, where are their weaknesses. Yeah, I know, wrestling's fucking fake, I get it. But if you believe, then we believe. In this match alone, Jake the Snake gave you a little bit of the history. Jake knows that Ricky's pissed. Jake knows that he's a karate man. He's going to hit you with them chops. Jake knows that he has the infamous arm drag. And what does he do? He clips it all away from him. Slowly, methodically. And then taunts him about it. I'm smart. I've watched. And I'm not just taunting you, Ricky. I'm taunting the fans out here who came to see you kick my fucking ass. Throws his hands up. What? What? I'm smart. I've watched the tapes. Damn, my forearms are killing me. Because those chops are hard. But I'd rather take him to the forearms than take it to the chest. And then when he finally does take it to the chest. Ah, shit, that burns. Whoo! Goddamn. So I still got skin here? Holy shit, that hurt. Then he looks at the fans. He keeps rubbing his chest. Selling. And once, what does he do? He goes onto the ring apron. Let me powder out. Let me go let my chest cool down a little bit. Ricky goes after them. He knows exactly where he's at. But as a chicken shit heel who can't stand the heat, let me go cool down a little bit. Oh, shit, he's coming after him. Let me go back in. Oh, he's not letting me back in. Well, let's fight it out on the apron. But know where I'm at at all times. Let me back up against this post. Here comes the chop. Slip the jab. And Ricky almost breaks his hand. Genius. 
for the remainder of the match. He's working that hand. Took away the chop. What does Ricky have left in his arsenal? Arm is killing him. Can't do the arm drag. Hand is done. All chopped up. Now you're just waiting for that DDT. You remember why we're here. You remember why Ricky is so pissed off. And we never get it. He never won signals for it. We know he's got that infamous move. We know what happened to Ricky. We know that his head was almost splattered across the concrete, but he never went for the move in this match. Late in the match, he sets him up for the short arm clothesline, but Ricky is so weak, he's like, I don't have to waste him with a DDT. I could if I want, but I don't have to. The cheating man, the guy who takes the tape off, not looking at Ricky, not hiding in a corner somewhere where nobody can see it, while the referee's attending to the injured good guy, the bad guy is looking at the kid ringside. Hey, kid, <laughs> you want me to see me choke the shit out of your favorite wrestler? You want me to see him gas for air? I'm going to choke the shit out of him right now. Watch this. Put it behind my back, and I'll creep up to the guy. But because I'm so focused on choking his ass, I'm so focused on seeing, um, on being bad, I'm forgetting that the referee is now behind me, and he sees the tape there. And that's my flaw. I exposed myself. And now Ricky gets his comeback. Genius. Genius, genius work. Not to mention that once Jake gets the heat again, he lays Ricky out. He, he had him beat. Had he not made the mistake of, hey, let me save my own ass by causing this ref bump, it's a good chance he might have gotten the three count. Ricky was indisposed. He was hurting arm killing him, hand killing him, just just beat to hell. Who knows if he's still suffering migraines from, from, from the DDT on the concrete weeks, months ago on Saturday night's main event. Damn it, let me go get that referee. Pick the referee up, slap him in the face. Come on, dude, you ready? Do your job. Come on, let's wrap this up and go home. And while he's doing that, he gets the roll up. One, two, three. Everything that I've done. He outsmarted me. I took away everything that he had, and he still outsmarted me in the end. But it ain't over, because I still got the DDT, and I planted it on him. You may have won, Ricky, but here's a reminder of why we're here. Here's a reminder of how dangerous I am. Here's a reminder of what's to come. And man, I'm telling you, if you didn't see that match the way I saw that match, dude, maybe this ain't the business for you. And that is how I break down a match. That is the anatomy of a match. Again, it was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat against Jake the Snake Roberts at the Boston Garden, uh, August 9th, 1986. I had to look it up on the other computer over here. Um, but yeah, man, that's it for now. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you take something away from it. And, and I hope it's something that you, you can use in your own arsenal. I hope that if you're a wrestler... That is something that helps you grow and develop, something to think about, something to look for in other matches. You know, I know recently the WWE, <laughs> Vince McMahon is uh, issuing fines when you slap the leg, when, when you, you're performing kicks or super kicks, saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, you, you just, let's get rid of that shit because it's all fake. It's all fake. And the faker you make it, the less I want to be involved, the less I want to watch, the less investment you're getting from in here. So, take this information with you, treasure it, because I will be back with more Anatomy of a Match. I'm Derek Gordon, this is the Midnight Hustle. 
Can you dig it?